the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. So I hope this Christmas season, in the hubbub of all that goes on in your home and outside your home, that you will not forget that you too have been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ this season to lead someone to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, that is the word, came to his own in the flesh. To them he gives the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. It is an amazing privilege to worship the newborn king at Christmas time, but our worship is incomplete if it ends with nothing more than good feelings. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy reminds us that Jesus commissioned us to spread the good news of salvation and bring others into the kingdom of God. This special message is titled, A New Look at Christmas. And if you missed the first portion of this message, you'll find it online at ktt.org. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. A message I've entitled, A New Look at Christmas. See, the interesting thing about John's gospel, John's retelling of the Christmas story is where he begins. There's no manger, no stable, no shepherds, no wise man, no Joseph, no Mary. No, he begins his story at the beginning of creation. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was in the beginning. And so the point is here that the Lord Jesus Christ already existed before anything existed. He was at the beginning. In fact, He is the beginning. Revelation 1.8, right? Who's Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We need to get a new look at Christmas and look at who Jesus is. He's the Word that has eternally existed. Verse 14, on the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the staggering, surprising centerpiece of this passage. The reality that the eternal God was born in time. That he who is the source of life itself hangs on the breast of a teenage mother. He who was the creator has took to himself creatureliness. He who was the sovereign is now the servant. He who is the prince is now the pauper. It's amazing. God has added to his deity humanity. This is a new look at Christmas. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Now remember, verse 18, No man has seen God at any time. The heavens have declared his glory. And at times God's presence in glorious concentrated form was to be found in the tabernacle and the temple. 
And one time Moses hid in the cleft of a rock as God passed by, but he saw the backside of God. No man has seen God at any time, but we beheld his glory in the person and figure of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to reveal God. And that's an amazing statement. Look at verse 18. No man has seen God in any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Interesting word, guys. It's a preacher's word. It means to exegete. He exegeted God, the God who was hidden, the God whom no man has seen. Jesus Christ disclosed him, uncovered for us in understandable terms. The character of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the will of God, the purposes of God. That's what Jesus Christ did. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know God has revealed himself to us? And not only is it a wonderful thing to know this Christmas that God has revealed himself because God wants us to know him, God knows us, and he knows about the life we live and the temptations we face and the heartaches we encounter. Because you see, what does Paul say? All things cohere in him. He's at the center of creation. He's the Lord of glory. My friend, you can't be fully alive if you're not alive to the reality of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ not only came to reveal God, he came to redeem mankind. Christ's coming at Christmas was a revelation of God's love for the world. John tells us that, and that's expressed no better than in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to rescue man from the consequences and the cost of its disobedience towards God. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ comes through his birth to give us a new birth. And as we trust what he did on the cross, where he paid for our sin, and we embrace the truth that he has vanquished death in his resurrection, you and I can enjoy a new life. But he not only came to give new birth to people, he came to bring a new beginning to the creation. Because it's interesting to me in John chapter 1 that the Lord Jesus Christ is described as the Word who was in the beginning, the Word who was with God and the Word who was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. But when he comes at Christmas, we see in his miracles acts of recreation where death and darkness and despair are dispelled. The sick are healed. The dead are raised. Because you see, he's life and he's light, according to verses 4 and 5. And in these actions, he's telegraphing and he's promising that indeed the curse will be reversed. That the creation that is now spoiled by the fall of man in disobedience to God, resulting in death and disease and despair, well, he has come to recreate and reorder And he will do that in his death, and he will do that in his resurrection. In fact, when you read John in the book of the Revelation, where does he sign off close to the end? It's, and he makes all things new. That's what he came to do, to make all things new. And it starts with a new creation, the church. And it will end with another new creation, a world made new, where there's no more sickness, no more death. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to reverse the curse and the consequences of sin. Let's move on to the last two thoughts. The Word, the witness. 
The Apostle John tells us that there's someone who spoke about the word before the word spoke. We read in verse 6, there was a man sent from God, his name was John. And he came to bear witness to the light, right? He's not the light, verse 8. But he was sent to bear witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. So you've got the Word, and you've got this figure, John, who's a witness to the Word. He speaks of the Word before the Word speaks. And then when the Word turns up, the baptism of John, he decreases and Jesus Christ increases. You'll notice his authority was from God, verse 5. You'll notice his message was one of grace, verse 16 and 17. Of his fullness we have received grace for grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. The goal was to see people saved, verse 7. That's the point I really want to underscore. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Now, he wasn't the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. And look at the phrase at the end of verse 7, that all through him, that's John, might believe. Do remember Acts 1, verse 8. You are my witnesses. So I hope this Christmas season, in the hubbub of all that goes on in your home and outside your home, that you will not forget that you too, have been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to be His witness. You have an authority from God. Your message is one of grace. And your goal is this season to lead someone to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was John's mission. That was John's goal. That indeed, all through him might believe. What's this gospel of John all about? It's all about awakening faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 20, verse 31, we read, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. John wants people to believe. That's John the beloved disciple. And John the Baptist wants people to believe. And that's why he prepared a way for the Lord. That's why he came preaching repentance. Would you be Christ's witness this season? This is a little sermon in itself, but as I was studying this week, I just wrote down an acrostic of the word witness, and I come up with several words to go with it that would challenge you. W, watchful. Be a watchful witness. Look for opportunities to share the gospel. They're all around you. I, be intentional. Be praying about it. Be looking for it. Have a plan. Think about what you might say, given an opportunity to say it. Have a track in your purse. Have something you can give. Grab a CD. Be intentional. Be watchful. T, be tactful. If you're going to share the gospel about the one who came bearing God's grace, be graceful, tactful, winsome. N, be natural. Be natural. What's a witness? A witness is someone who talks about what they have seen and what they have heard. You need to do that. Tell someone about what the Lord Jesus has done for you, what the Lord Jesus means for you. E, be eager. Be an eager witness. Be one who's got a passion to lead people to Christ. S, scriptural. Base your remarks on the Word of God as it's echoed in your own experience. And S, be spirit-filled. Because you see, people, if they're to come to faith in the Lord Jesus, according to verse 13, must be born of God. It's the Spirit's job to convince men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's the Spirit's passion to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you need to be filled by Him if you're going to be an effective witness. Be watchful, intentional, tactful, natural, eager, scriptural, Spirit-filled.
Let me finish with this story and get to the last point. Mark Hitchcock, my friend in Oklahoma, sent me the story of a monk in a monastery in Germany who was scared to death about preaching class. And he went into the Monsignor and he shared with the Monsignor, you know what? Why don't you give me double duty cleaning the toilets or scrubbing the floors, but don't ask me to preach. The Monsignor said, we can't do that. And he says, in fact, you're best facing your fears. You're up tomorrow in chapel. So the fateful day came, and according to the story, this nervous monk stands up, and he starts his sermon by saying, brothers, do you know what I'm going to say? Then they all shook their heads in the negative, to which he replied, neither do I. Let's stand for the benediction. Peace be unto you. Well, the Monsignor's fuming. He says, you're not getting away with that. You're up tomorrow. Next day, he stands up, begins his sermon. Brothers, you know what I'm going to say? This time they all nod in the affirmative, to which he says, since you already know what I'm going to say, there's no point saying it. Let's stand for the benediction. Peace be unto you. Well, by this stage, the Monsignor's livid. He's not going to let him off. And he said, you're not getting off tomorrow. And if you don't deliver tomorrow, you're in the sin bin. So tomorrow comes, and he stands up, and he says, Brothers, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, by this stage, they're all in complete confusion. So some of them nod their head in the affirmative. Some shake their head in the negative, to which he replies, Well, then let those who know tell those who don't. <laughs> Let's stand for the benediction. <laughs> I like the story. According to Mark, the point of the story is this. Let those who know tell those who don't. That's what we're called to do. You know what? People all around us will see some nativity scene. They'll hear a Christmas carol in the background at the mall or whatever. But they don't have the foggiest idea that we're actually singing about and talking about the Word who was in the beginning and who was face to face with the Father and who was God and who made all things. Nothing was made that He didn't make. And the amazing thing, He was made flesh that he might be made sin on the cross, that we might be made right with God through faith in what he has done on our behalf. Which closes us with the welcome. The welcome. This would be verses 9 through 13. You see, the intent of the gospel is to see people believe in Jesus. So it shouldn't be any surprise, should it, that John opens the door of the gospel of John with an invitation right away, right at the beginning of the book, to put your faith in the Lord Jesus. Look at verses 11 and 12 especially. He, that is the word, came to his own in the flesh, and his own did not receive him. But as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Right out the gate, John swings the door open. He's talked about the Word, and he's talked about the witness to the Word, and now he issues a welcome. He wants those that read his gospel to believe and receive the Son of God, and receiving the Son of God, they will be conferred the right to be God's children. It's wonderful. So wonderful that John will write later, Behold what manner of love that has been bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. John softens the sweeping rejection of the Messiah by stressing a believing remnant. But as many as received him, to them give you the power to become the sons of God. That's a staggering truth, isn't it? That the Creator became one of us, that we might be one with him. That we might be part of his family. That we might have a home in heaven 
forever. Because Jesus will say later in this gospel, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, if you receive me on earth, I'm going to receive you in heaven. I'm the son who has come to make you a son or daughter of God. That's a marvelous truth. I was made flesh so that on a cross I might be made sin, so that through faith in me you might be made right with God. My friend, you need to believe in him. You need to receive him. I'll tell you a wonderful story associated with a preaching professor from a seminary who is traveling through Tennessee with his wife. And they pull into a little diner and they just want to sit and enjoy some privacy and some downtime. But they notice there's a bit of a hubbub around the, the restaurant because this man's going from table to table, introducing himself and getting into all kinds of conversations with the clientele. And this professor keeps his head down. He's not really there for a conversation. He wants a little bit of quietness and privacy. But before he knows it, this particular man's standing at the end of his table. Well, he says, sir, who are you? And reluctantly, Fred Craddock says, well, I'm, I'm Fred Craddock, and this is my wife. And he says, well, what brings you to these parts? Tells him, well, we're having a little bit of a vacation and downtime. He says, well, sir, what do you do? Fred says, well, you know, I'm a, actually a professor at a theological school. And this man says, you mind if I sit down? I have a preacher's story. At this stage, he's kind of given in and surrendered, and so he allows the man to sit down and intrude upon their lunch. And the man points out the window. He said, you see those mountains? I grew up in those mountains. I was born into a home with a single mother. Didn't have a father. Didn't even know my father. But way back then, you know what? That was a scourge. As I went about the town, I could tell people were looking through me. And in school, the kids teased me about my illegitimacy. He says, until one day, he said, you know, there was a lot of hubbub about the town because a new preacher had come to the church. And everybody was going to church, people who didn't even go to church. I didn't go to church, but I heard the preacher was good, so I went to church. He says, although I intended to slip into the back and make a quick getaway, because you know what? I'm, I'm the illegitimate son without a father. Wouldn't be right for church folks to see me. And he says, that day, he says, I couldn't get out because the place is packed. And before I get out, that preacher had his hand on my shoulder. And he said, well, son, what's your name? Before I answered that question, he asked me another question. And who's your father? And he says, he couldn't have asked me a worse question. In a company like that, he says, I wanted to put my head down. I didn't know what to say. Before I even answered that question, he answered it for me. He says, you know what, son, I'll tell you who your father is. He says, your father is God in heaven. You're his child through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I go and claim your inheritance. And he said, I went skipping out of that church. And that little statement changed my life. You're God's son. Now go claim your inheritance. He says, that's a good preacher's story. You should use that some. Then he gets up and leaves. After a few moments, a waitress comes by, picking up the bell, said, you know who you were talking to? Fred Craddock says, no. He said, you were talking to Ben Hooper, two-time governor of the state of Tennessee, born into a single mother's home, no father, mocked as an illegitimate child in the community. But a gospel preacher reminded him one day, but as many as receive him, to them gives he the power, the authority to be called the children of God. That changed Ben Hooper's life. My friend, it can change yours. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage, Christmas stripped bare. Thank you that John leaves us with nothing 
and no one but Jesus, the one who was in the beginning with God, the one who was God, the one who made all living things, but he himself was made flesh and moved into our neighborhood, lived the life we could not live, died the death we could not die, the sinless Son of God bearing our sin. And if we'll receive him, he'll reorder our lives, he'll give us a new life and the promise of a new world because he was the creator of all things has come to recreate that which is broken, spoilt, damaged by sin and man's foolishness and man's wickedness. So Lord, help us today to have a Ben Hooper experience to encounter the great truth of the gospel and the wonder of that first Christmas. For we ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. A fitting message for today here on Know the Truth. Philip DeCourcy titled the message, A New Look at Christmas. And if you've never contacted Know the Truth before, we'd like to send you a free CD copy of this complete teaching. There's no cost or obligation. Make your request by phone when you call 888-644-8811 or online at ktt.org. Christmas is a time of celebration for people around the world, but it's also a very painful time for many individuals as they confront the loss of a loved one, a family conflict, or the knowledge that this may be their last time celebrating here on this earth. I know the truth. We hold out the hope of Jesus Christ to listeners everywhere, and we've taken our commitment to God's Word to a new level. Philip, why don't you come back and tell our listeners what we're up to now? Well, thanks, Wayne. I am excited to share with our listeners the opportunities we have today for sharing the gospel through Know the Truth ministry. These are critical times, and I believe our ministry, Wayne, is on the front line of what God is doing in terms of declaring His Word clear and convincingly. Uh, you know, uh, truth has fallen in the street. So to, to use the words of Jeremiah the prophet here in the United States, it seems we're going backwards as a country, both spiritually and morally. And therefore, this ministry has a critical role. We want to redeem the time. We want to be used by God to speak into our nation and uh, the changing culture. And we see this as both the worst of times and the best of times. Uh, we're sad to see the retreat. We're sad to see the reversal. But at the same time, we see a window an opportunity to proclaim the gospel ever more fearlessly. And we have that opportunity through the multiple media platforms that we have. We're advancing the gospel throughout this nation. In fact, this year we have embraced an historic opportunity to just reach further and, and into more hearts and into more homes. And so while lives hang in the balance, God has called this ministry into existence. I believe we and we're faithful to that call. And you know what? We need listeners to stand with us as we stand for Christ in this evil day. And you know, if you're listening today, uh, can I ask you to prayerfully consider coming alongside us, partnering with us? You know, I was thinking the other day, given what we've just said, Wayne, you know, that old wartime poster, your country needs you. Remember that point, that finger pointing in the, the direction of every, every man, an able-bodied person in the nation. And in some sense, I'm, I'm doing that to those that are listening today. I'm pointing that finger. We need you. At this time when we're fighting for the soul of our nation, we're, we're contending for the truth. Would you think about standing with us as we stand for Christ in this evil day? Can you help us by uh, calling us today? Uh, going onto our website at ktt.org or calling us at 
8811 and pledging your support. That could be a one-time gift or better still, that could be a monthly contribution. We need your help. The hour is late. We've got the Word of God. We've got the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be faithful to that great commission to go out into all the world and preach the Gospel. Would you help us today? We'd really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Philip, and thank you for making a generous year-end donation today. When you give to Know the Truth, we'll send you a resource to help you keep your commitment to God's Word in the coming year, the ESV Daily Devotional New Testament. With Scripture on every page, as well as thoughtful reflections on God's Word, you'll find it easy to study the Bible every day in the coming year. Request this devotional when you call in your year-end donation to 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd. so glad you joined us today. There's more bold Bible teaching coming up next week on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hey there, I'm Eric Metaxas, and I'd like to tell you about my experience at Amazing Grace, the Broadway musical. This show is the sort of cultural triumph people have hoped and prayed for for years, a sumptuous top-flight Broadway entertainment with a glorious, redemptive storyline that will inspire everyone. The performances, the songs, the stagecraft, wow, they're simply amazing. When it's over, you'll want to shout both bravo and hallelujah. Amazing Grace, the Broadway musical, performing at Museum of the Bible's World Stage Theater. For tickets, visit AmazingGraceMusical.com. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Everyone knows about George Frederick Handel, but few remember Charles Jennings. But it was Jennings who wrote and conceived the idea of the Messiah, the massive oratorio that is performed thousands of times worldwide at Christmas. Jennings wrote the libretto, that is the text of the Messiah, tying together the Bible's central story, God's salvation of his people through the work of the Messiah. He used the very words of the Bible for his text. Jennings had a purpose in his project, and that was to remind his audience of the Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.